Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, hello. How do you do today, sir? Oh, she's a scorcher out there. It's not as bad as it was here in the nation's capital, but it is still beautiful weather. The humidity is gone. Yeah, yeah, but as soon as we uh, start recording, we have to turn the air conditioner off, and, you know, it gets a little sweaty. Sure does. So that means this might be a shorter episode than normal because of that. And what we're going to do today is Scott and I realized that we have each played every position on a team. So we've each skipped third, second lead, and so on and so forth for, for extended periods of time. Right. Not just sort of one-offs. You know, I uh, my greatest skipping moment, for instance, was beating Ray Pollock in the uh, quarterfinals of the Rideau Club Championship uh, and, and prompting Ray to never talk to us ever again, which is really my proudest achievement as a curler. Wow. Uh, but I've also played a bunch of third. Uh, currently, I'm playing lead. I really like the front end. You've skipped a whole bunch in juniors mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Same with uh, third. You've also are playing second right now. We play front end on a team together. So we have experience at all the positions. So we thought we would go through and break down what makes a good person for each position, both in terms of the the type of curler you need to be, but also the type of person you need to be to be successful in that position. That's right, Sean. And uh, like you said, we all have uh, experience in this, and it, I'm able to reflect and say that I'm better at some things, some positions, <laughs> than at others. Yeah, and that might be reflected in some of the qualities that I have written down here to describe some of the positions. Exactly. So let's start with the lead. This is the position that I actually enjoy the most Okay. to play. I, I find it relaxing. Mm-hmm. Right? When I go curl, I just want to play and not really think about anything else, just have fun. And I find that that's the easiest to do at the lead position. I also find that the lead position, you can set the pace of the game a little bit. I realize mm-hmm. skips, yeah, okay, skips matter, whatever. But in terms of at that other end, if you establish a pace of you're ready to throw when the broom is down and you go, that sort of gets everyone else going, I notice. Big time, big so time. So that's why I really like this position. So in terms of the actual ability of a, a lead, obviously you have to be a very good sweeper because you're sweeping six in a row. I I would make a case that the person playing lead has a harder sweeping assignment than the second. I realize that everyone's sweeping the same number of stones, Mm -hmm. but the lead is doing six in a row, and the leverage increases per shot. So very rarely do you get end-to-end hard sweeps on lead stones or panic calls on lead stones. So... I would make the case that the lead has the hardest sweeping assignment. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair, and it, it's not like uh, I mean, sometimes when you throw your lead stones, you guys sweep them the whole way, and then they end up in the house. You're right. <laughs> yes, that that is a thing or that happens. Just in the right spot. Like, yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, um, but yeah. So, but it doesn't have the same urgency. I would argue as later stones in an end. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair, and. Uh, we do see some pretty great sweepers uh, at the lead position, you know, on tour and stuff. So, yeah, yeah I would being, say uh, Ben Ebert is probably the best example of this. Yeah. 
and certainly that. So sweeping definitely very important. Another one, of course, weight control. You have to be a, a master. I, I, again, I realize that I currently play a lead, and so this might sound somewhat self-aggrandizing. I think throwing guards is is hard, and I think it's very much overlooked sometimes when we talk about what makes a good player that throwing guards and getting guards in the right spot is really important and if you have a lead who is inconsistent that makes it hard so you have to have someone who's really good on weight control and on the rare occasion when they are asked to throw a hit they have to be able to make that as well so i i really think having solid weight control is the key yeah solid weight control is really good and and you're right about when your leads aren't putting the stones in the right spot and you have no idea where it's going uh really makes it tough to set up the rest of the end for the skip yeah i had a couple i had a couple games this year where i had no idea where they were going out of my Mm. hand and we didn't have a chance those nights yeah it's uh it's a real tone setter yeah absolutely so those are i think the main things for a lead okay what so, else have you got? All right, so personality. I think personality matters more, um, especially at the club level. Yeah. I mean, for the elite teams, fine, whatever. But at the club level, I think it's really more about the personality. So for a lead, to me, the biggest thing is you have to be quiet. At the club, yeah, yeah. You, like, like, Don't talk. Don't talk on the ice. It's not your job. No, unless you're asked. Sure. And then your response should be less than 10 seconds long. Okay. Is sort of my feeling. You, you can't. You can't want to get in on conversations at all if, while the skip is cleaning their rock or whatever, you make a reference to a path or the speed. That's kind of what your job is. But in terms of strategy, unless you're asked, keep your mouth shut. Okay. Okay. And uh, I I agree with you for the most part. For the lead position, it's, uh, it's about supporting the skip and supporting their decision that they've made in collaboration with the other members of the team. Yeah, so uh, certainly that. I would also say that the lead has to be the person who's the most aware on the ice uh, of a variety of things. At the elite level, it's usually the lead who's responsible for keeping track of time. time. Yeah. So they have to be aware of what's going on with that. In terms of some of the rocks, when they have the electronic rock things, if there's an issue with that, the lead oftentimes is responsible for dealing with that. Same thing with sometimes with the officials and so on and so forth. The lead has to be aware of what's going on, not just in the game, right? Because the skip is so focused on the game. The lead has to be aware of what's going on around the game that could affect what's going on on the ice. Right, and then be able to provide the information in a way that's uh, conducive to the rest of the team. They can't be... You know, my way of communicating is to yell at you, but everybody else doesn't receive that right. Right. That that doesn't work, right? They have to be able to adapt to the the team. Yeah, and just a general awareness of what's going on around them, I think, is very, very important. Okay. And then the other one, and I think this might, again, be something that leads don't get credited for. They have to be very detail-oriented. The, the, and this is more on the sweeping side of it, because so many of the stones, especially at the lead level, at the club level, this matters too, that, you know, you, you don't have a lot of, of wiggle room on some shots. So you got to be very detailed on where the, the path is, how fast it's going, what the curl could be in that spot, and really be aware uh, of the minor details in the ice in the past. Like, it's, it's obviously important for skips, for ice and all that. But once the stone is in motion, I think the lead oftentimes is taking control Mm -hmm. of that situation because the seconds tend to be a little more involved in the strategy than the leads are. So I think a lot of that goes to 
the responsibility of the lead. So you have to have someone who's very detail-oriented, can pick up on the differences on the sides of the sheet, mm-hmm. uh, and, and is really just aware of what's happening on the ice. Okay. Uh, I'm going to add a little something, and it's more for people who are beginning curling and might be put as a lead uh, when they're just starting, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the job of a lead in that instance is to be curious, to ask questions, to try and learn as much as possible. You know, when you're the lead, like you say, you get to be involved more than you'd think from just uh, standing behind the boards, you know? When the skip and the vice come down to throw, uh, they can you can ask them, hey, what's the call? Yeah. Try and learn stuff that way. Talk to the other sweeper about... Uh, timing, uh, guessing how fast the rock is coming out is always good. You know, when you're beginning, just say a number or say yeah T-line. Even if you're wrong, you get in the habit of saying it. And by saying it, eventually you'll get it right. At some point, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you do have to get into that habit of at least taking a guess yeah, exactly. as to what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So there's lots uh, that a good lead can do at all levels of, uh, of skill. Mm-hmm. Like, so regardless of skill, to be a good lead, uh, I think that sort of stuff is important too. Being willing to learn and, and being open with the rest of your team. Absolutely, yeah. And because, like you say, oftentimes sort of the quote-unquote worst player is going to be the lead, which is fine. And I don't mind if people think I'm the worst player on the team. Like, whatever, I don't care. Right. Um, but there's stuff that you can do even if you're new to the sport and or perceived as the worst player, or it's your second or third year and you're not really confident in your own ability, mm-hmm. there's ways in which you can still help the team uh, through communication, like you say, just being aware of what's going on in the ice. And yeah. It's not a position where you throw and then that's it. You're done. Right. You, right. you still have to be involved in what's going on. All right, Sean, that's, what, 10 minutes on the lead already? So let's it's move on to the more important right. position. Oh, jeez. All right. So... Um, so for the second, in terms of the actual gameplay, obviously power, I think, is the most important thing. Seconds tend to be associated with throwing the, the high hard one. Mm-hmm. Clean it up. Cleaning it up, yeah. So being able to throw hard peels is, is very important. Uh, get stuff out. And then, of course, sweeping as well. Uh, with them throwing, or excuse me, sweeping six rocks, but again, different order. Mm-hmm. But you're sweeping those last four, which are obviously very key uh, in, in the overall and so you, you got to be good on that. So those are the two things that I associate in terms of actual gameplay skills okay. with those that position. All right. And the seconds, I would say, tend to be the most intense players on the ice. Huh, in my experience, they, they tend to be. Because I think whereas the leads, because you need someone, generally speaking, who's a little quieter, a little more mellow, uh-huh. uh, maybe even if I may... A little more cerebral in in what's in, in their overall approach to life. Oh, uh, the seconds tend to be the most intense ones out there. When they're sweeping, it tends to be the second who is sort of leading the charge in terms of like keeping it going and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who oftentimes are trying to pick everyone else up when things aren't going great because the skips and thirds have to be a little, very even keel. So the seconds can be the one who's more of the raw, raw, intense one out, out there. That's my take on it. Yeah. I think and I don't mean that as negative. No, no. I'm thinking about uh, all the teams that are sort of the pro teams on tour there. And, yeah, I think of seconds like uh, EJ Harnden and... Um, I think Joey Courtney. 
Joe and Courtney, yeah. And when uh, Reed Carruthers was playing second there, he was kind of yeah. uh, a little more intense of a guy. So yeah, yeah, I can I can see that for sure. For sure. Uh, I think you're talking about me, too. Well, you are definitely the most intense person on our team. Uh, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And and second is the position I played the most recently. So, uh, like, on our team here. And my last uh, one or two years in Victoria, I played second. And I, I enjoy it quite a bit because you do get to mix all aspects of the game, right? You get to throw. You get to sweep. Uh, you can give your input uh, on strategy a little more freely, and for me a little more freely because I've skipped so much that I, if it's something really terrible <laughs> yeah. that I think is really terrible, I'll speak up. Otherwise, I don't. And I think I've gotten a little better at shutting up when, it, maybe not to you, but no. when the skip comes down, I don't say that's a stupid idea. Right, which you used to say. I might say to you that's a stupid idea, Yeah. but okay, whatever. Yeah, and so, that's why, so the other thing that I have here yeah. is that I think the second needs to be subtle. Um, oh, be subtle. Be subtle, yeah. I think I think it's, it's more acceptable for the second to offer their opinion on things if it's asked for or if there's a lengthy discussion going on. So if the third yeah. and the skip are, are involved in a discussion, I think it's okay for the second to run down and, and present what they think is okay. But if the skip and third make a decision and the skip is coming down, then you got to just keep your mouth shut, I think, uh, especially at the club level. Just oh, keep, yeah, just yeah. keep, just keep, keep the play moving. going. Just keep it keep moving. The play going. Uh, but when you are presenting those ideas, there sh- I think there needs to be some subtlety behind it. And it, it can't be, this is what you should do. Right, it should be more, have you thought of this? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about... Uh, yeah, this that sort of way of yeah. doing it. Is this here? What? A, yeah, that kind of thing is the way to go about it, and to also present it and then leave, too. So if there's a discussion mm-hmm. going on, and you you go down and you say, well, what about this? And they're like, well, and then you leave. You sort of present it. You don't sell it. Right. You just present it and then take off because the presence of the third person just makes it go on and on but it allows the second to get that input in and in some cases can actually resolve whatever the situation is right or to be that vote between right the skip and the third one person really wants to do one thing one person wants to do a different thing and then you can provide that voice of well i kind of like this idea more so let's do that yeah and so that's sort of the way i i would frame that and I think, again, if we're looking at new players, generally you're going to start at lead. But if you're on an all-new person team, mm-hmm. you know, the learn-to-curl type players, if you're the second, one of the things that's really important, I think, if you're a new player learning the position, is figuring out when it's okay to do that. Right. right? Yeah. And that's sort of the hardest thing. Because a lot of new players, I've noticed, uh, that new players tend to want to be in the house a lot. Which is right. fine, I right. mean, because you want to learn, right? In that's, order to learn. It's that's how you learn. Way. And so once you sort of get into more regular gameplay, it's figuring out the balance between being involved at the other end. And, I mean, there's value, too. If you're the second, being at the other end away from the third and the skip having their discussion is important, too, because you and the lead can be talking about the paths, uh, the speed, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. so that when the skip comes down to throw, you know what you're going to say. Right. So it's, it's not... 
a matter of, oh, if you're at the other end, you're not involved in any conversation. It's just a different type of conversation because mm-hmm. the lead in the second have to have a really good communication amongst themselves before anyone else comes down. Right, right. And and uh, getting back to what you mentioned about weight control there uh, for the lead, I think it's uh, pretty important at second too. You got to be able to throw that high hard one for sure. Mm-hmm. But if your skipper asks you to loop one around, uh, once the lead has put the guards in a good spot, it, Very important. Yeah, if you miss that, it can really uh, blow up your whole end, right? Yeah. So, uh, but being able to clean up mistakes is a big part of playing second. Absolutely, and that's why when we play with our parents, we put our mom there. Yeah, because she's the best cleanup. Crushing them. She throws those high hard ones there. Yeah, Jen Hanna, who we've played a couple of times, did comment on mom's ability to peel. Yeah. So if she, she hits the broom, she, she'll it's make pretty the good. Shot. Yeah, so uh, she can throw the weight. Yeah, so so let's move on then to the third position. In terms of the actual gameplay here at the third spot, I would say that whereas the second you need somebody who throws it hard and accurate, at the third position it's not as important. And I think of Richard Hart as a good example of this as a guy who was an incredible third for a very long time, never really threw it hard at all. And for me, the third position is a lot of soft stuff. Draws, taps. You don't need the third to throw the high hard one nearly as often. So you want somebody who has a little more touch, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. at that spot. And I think also for the thirds, this is important in all positions, but I would say it's the most important with the third, is understanding the pro side miss. That if you're going to miss a shot, you have to miss it a certain way that it can be beneficial to you. That it's not a 100% miss. And it's important certainly for leads, kind of seconds a little bit. But I think it's most important at the Mm -hmm. third position that the pro side miss, that you understand what it is every time you throw. And that if you're going to miss it, you miss it this particular way that it it doesn't completely destroy your end. Right, because if you're trying to play a freeze and, okay, the acceptable way to miss is to bump it back a bit and you put it short, it's a guard and then you're hooped for the rest of the yeah. end. And yeah, that's really unfortunate when stuff like that happens and, and it it's incumbent upon the third, like you say, to understand the way in which they can miss if they're going to miss at all. Yeah. And I, I might even argue that the third should be the best player on the team. The best overall curler is oftentimes the third. Because they have to do everything, right? They have yep. to sweep, they have to throw, and they have to throw all kinds of shots. And then they have to call line, too. Yes. And I think calling line for a third is really, really, really underestimated. Yes. Uh, and, and arguably harder than to do for a skip. Right, because the skip's seeing all sorts of stones come yeah. down. And the skip, yeah, they're dealing with different deliveries, you know, uh, at the club level and stuff. But if you're playing third at the club, sometimes, uh, you know, you've got a different skip, uh, your skips away on vacation. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's really, really, really valuable to be able to do those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think you can, as you say, make a case that the skip or excuse me, the third should be the best player on the team in terms of all around ability. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can make a case. Certainly if you look at elite teams, that, that that's the, the case. I mean, uh, I think probably the best example is Mark Kennedy, who you might be able to argue is the best overall player in the country, if not the world. Uh, is he a better shot maker than Kevin Cooey? Maybe. But in terms of all around, he's certainly right. uh, probably, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to say he's not the best player. Mm-hmm. And I think Caitlin Laws might fall into this category as well. And, and certainly she 
if anyone doubted that, what she did at the Olympics with John Morris, demonstrated her all-around ability That's in right. a way that maybe gets hidden a little bit when she's playing with Jennifer Jones. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of these thirds, you can see sort of how good they are uh, when they're playing those mixed doubles. Yeah, it's interesting. to. I was just thinking in my head about how many thirds have done really well at mixed doubles. And uh, it's true that, that you don't see that many skips uh, at no. the top of the, the mixed doubles chart. So it is sort of saying, uh, you know, the sweeping is really important, uh, uh, maybe more so than the strategy. And so, like, coming back to our talk about thirds here, to me, yeah, it's, uh, it's the most fun position for me to play. You get to do a little bit of everything. You get to do a little bit of everything. Uh, You're also the conduit between the front end and the skip. Right. And so that's really important to being able to talk the skip down or like perk the skip up a bit, you know, try to make make them as relaxed as they can be for their shots. And also, uh, I want to say act... uh, as the in-between again, which I know I already said, but <laughs> it's it's super important. Uh, I, I played third on a team, and we had a guy skipping who was kind of a weirdo, <laughs> to be honest. And and me going down there, I was the only one on the team that was able to sort of relax him a bit and get him ready to throw his shots. So it was important that it was me that was doing that. Yeah. And he would come. At, uh, I would come down, and he would complain about, oh, the guy missed his hit again <laughs> oh what an idiot right and you know i'd say okay well is there anything that he could do better and right. try to bring that information back in a way more respectful than he sucks and right because yeah you're right it's hard sometimes for the skip in the front end to have t- a chance to talk right because it's not uh prescribed at any moment right and you're like you say in the club you're trying to move that game along you don't keep it moving keep you don't want to stand back there and talk for 30 seconds. So. Yeah, so so similar to what you're saying in terms of the personality, we, one of the things that I've written down here mm-hmm. is to be a good third, you have to be able to listen. You have to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. And not just, you, you can't, you have to actually hear what somebody is saying. You can't just sort of listen and be like, okay, whatever. But you actually have to hear them and acknowledge what they're saying, both front end and the skip. Right. And really, you know, make sure that everyone is heard in a discussion and, and not even just about strategy, just in general. Because like you say, the front end's gonna talk to you about stuff, the skip's gonna talk to you about stuff, they're sometimes not talking to each other on the ice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's important that you hear what everyone is saying and that you can serve as really the, the, the key member in terms of communication, I think, and ensuring that everyone is on the same page. Yeah, now does that role change at all when you're on a team where the third isn't going down to the to the house, you know, where say the lead is the mm-hmm. one that's holding the broom, or yeah. So I think it does. Right. Uh, I think so. Uh, the example of that that comes to mind is Colleen Jones's team, mm-hmm. where Kim Kelly threw third but swept, right? And it was Nancy Delahunt who who held the broom. That in that case, yeah, I think it's Nancy Delahunt that serves as that connective tissue between the two right so she's effectively a third yeah right. I, yeah i mean really the thing that distinguishes the third is going down and holding the broom for mm-hmm. the skip mm-hmm. from anyone else certainly yes you throw third, third. Uh, or vice or whatever other words that are used to mate. describe this position mate yeah that was a new one that i heard recently i think that's that, an east coast uh, yeah uh coast yeah coast I'd, I'd never heard that before i guess i've never played east of ottawa i don't think oh anyway. boy so, oh um, time for spieling. I know, right? So it, uh, 
it, it's one of these things where, yeah, that's the, the key difference between the other players is whoever is going down and holding the, the broom. Because also, if you're doing that, you're only sweeping four stones. Right, so right. whoever does that, you know, has that has those responsibilities that we're talking about. Sure, sure. So third best player. Now, what do we got for the old skip? So for the skip, I have here in terms of actual gameplay, the skip has to be able to draw. If you can't draw, you can't skip. Can't draw, can't skip. You really can't. You have to have if if yeah, you can't always have the button in your back pocket to draw it. But I think it's Mike Harris who says this all the time that if. If you can hit and stay and draw to the eight foot, then you can win you can a lot of games. Be a skip. Yeah. That's basically it. And yeah, you have to be able to, on your worst day at the elite level, do those things. Be able to hit the eight foot. Right. And on your best day, have the pu- button in your back pocket. Yeah. I've never had the button in my back pocket ever. Never? Never. I've never gone in and felt like this is landing on the button. Four foot, maybe. Yeah. But never the button. So yeah. yeah, that's fair. So that one, I, I don't think I could be a skip for that reason. Okay, but but it's it's one of these things where it's all what like this is why if you say Kevin Martin as a kid, he was good, but he was a hitter, mm-hmm. and once he learned to draw, he was unbeatable. We're seeing a similar thing with Rachel Holman when she came out a junior. Now I realize she won very quickly after coming out a junior, but. She did have to improve her draw game, mm-hmm. right? That first Scotty's where she struggled a little bit with it, but once she figured it out fast, and once she did, yeah, it's it's so hard to beat her. And and when she loses, it tends to be when she doesn't have draw weight. That's right. So it's one of these things where if you're going to skip, you got to be able to throw draws. You got to be able to throw draws, no doubt. Uh, More so than hits, like Brad, yeah. like Brad Gushu, for instance especially with his hip problem, and they've talked about it a lot, he can't throw it nearly as hard as he used to, but it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter because he doesn't... His, the way their team is built, it doesn't put him in positions where th- that it really matters where he has got to make a bailout, you know, run back, triple. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. but, uh, you know, but he, you can he usually, saves it for special occasions. Yeah, exactly, and, and certainly that yeah, Jacobs can throw it hard. Uh, obviously, Rachel Holman can throw it hard, but... The bread and butter of being a skip is having that draw weight. And we saw Brad Jacobs at the trials where he missed that draw against Kevin Cooey, I think, in the extra end where he mm-hmm. sails it through. And for all intents and purposes, that was the end of them. That, that, that was the end of them both, not not in the standings necessarily, but mentally, you're right. Yeah. It, was, it was the end of their team there for that event. Yeah, so uh, so related to that, yeah, tell me in terms more. of my personality things, obviously I have to be a leader because, right. obviously, but short memory. I think the skip has to be able to park stuff, both positive and negative. Big time. Really quickly. Yeah. Just park it, leave it alone, and you're done. So you have to have a very short memory. You have to have a long memory in terms of what rocks are doing, what paths there are, how the ice is changing through the course of the game. Mm-hmm. But in terms of results, you got to have a really short memory. A really short memory, you're right. And and it's not easy. It's not <laughs> easy to do that. No. I, I uh, have been able to do it sometimes, you know, and... Often it's when I have a good third, if I'm skipping, if this third is loose, uh, relaxed, uh, able to sort of make jokes and loosen me up a bit, yeah. then I find it way easier to forget things and who, who cares, whatever, just it doesn't matter. You know, I played juniors, uh, like playdowns and stuff, and uh, when I moved to BC, I didn't really have a team to play with, so... 
the guys I were playing with were pretty chill because they didn't really care and they weren't very good. <laughs> so, it, I mean, that was sort of good, right? But every now and then you want to win. You want to get sure get uh, the best result you can and you get fired up. So for me, having a good third to calm you down is, is essential. And when that's uh, there, I'm able to park things. Right, which is... Yeah, it's so, so important. Yeah. And, and related to that then, I think, is you have to be respectful of everybody. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you see oftentimes at clubs doesn't happen. Yeah. Where, say, if the front end oversweeps one or undersweeps one, the, the, the skip will get angry at them and, and sort of yell at them. Uh, or if they miss a shot, sort of the 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 body language of the skip, I oh, think, says a lot. Super important. Yeah. But like, you know, not to be all Bill Simmons body language doctor here, but <laughs> body language is so obvious when someone is upset, and it's fine if if another person misses a shot, you can be disappointed. But sometimes the body language that skips have is just so negative that it can bring a whole team down. And, you know, if you're putting your, your face in your palm, for instance, it can have a negative, uh, it can have a negative reverberation through the whole team because it's not, even if it's intended to be this inwardly thing, you know, it can, it can just sort of bring everybody down a bit. Absolutely, Sean. And, and I'm really bad at this. And I, yeah, your body language is awful. And I acknowledge that I'm bad at it. And that's why it helps me to have a third to tell me, uh, hey, uh, shape up there. <laughs> so, so yeah, I understand what you mean. It's really, really important. And it doesn't feel good when you're throwing front end or, or something and you look down and your skip's got his shoulders slumped and, yeah. and uh, not waving when the shot goes through. You know, they're just kicking the rock to the side because they're mad. So, right. yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't feel good. No, and especially at the club level, too, where, and I say this all the time, like, my chances of making the briar are the exact same if I make or miss all of my shots. It has absolutely no ramification on my long-term ability to to be an elite curler because I'm not going to be an elite curler. And, and none of us are at work with the exception of the ice maker. I know I've said this before. None of us are at work unless you're an ice maker. Mm -hmm. But even then, you're not working while you're playing. Like, this is intended to be our recreational time. So don't be a jerk. Like, we're all trying to to make our shots. No one's missing on purpose. If, If you see something that I'm doing that's wrong or that I could improve with, that's fine. But don't just be like, come on. Like, you know what? Like, it, it really at the club level hurts. And especially for new players, uh, Earl Morris said this to me once that one of the reasons he thinks that new players don't stick with it a, a lot is that they come out, we put them on a team, we put them at lead with the skip from hell because the, the biggest jerk skip can ever find players. Mm-hmm. So the new person is stuck with that person. They don't know. They'll play for a year, they'll get yelled at every night, and then they won't come back. Right, yeah, it's uh, that's no fun. No, that's no fun. And Sean, I I know you say that. Oh, I'm not, you know, going to the briar or whatever. It's I'm not going to the briar either. But I have more fun when I play well. That's fine. And so and that's that's the no, but, intensity. That's where that comes. Yeah, from. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't I don't object to that. But your intensity should not 
ultimately impact my enjoyment of the activity. And where I have an issue with other people's intensity or attitude is when it can affect the whole game. And that's why I say even if it's internal or, or intended to be inward, it can bring everyone down. And that's what I don't like. Yeah, okay. And I, I and it's not specific to you. It's in it's in general. Like when you have a jerk on the ice, it makes it less fun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's always, all I'm saying. Always. So the skip has to be someone again very respectful of everything and and quick. Be fast. Yes, being fast, I think, is number one key. Well, I would put it two, but okay. Okay. Well, I'm good at being fast. Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh, it's the Roy Halladay rule. Yes. Where you're going to be faster than anyone better than you, and you're going to be better than anyone faster than you. That's the key, and that's something I sort of adhere to as well. Yeah, that's our team uh, our team motto. Yeah, so those are our positions. Uh, if you want to be a fifth or a coach, well, uh, the fifth didn't coach you, you'd chart rocks and be positive. That's basically it. Yeah, it seems pretty easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Renee, Renee Sonnenberg basically told me that once when she was the fifth at the Scotties in Montreal mm-hmm. for uh, whoever was representing Alberta that year. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, but that's basically what she said. I'm here to be supportive, be positive, and you chart rocks and, and give them advice on, on certain things, and that's right. about it. And yeah. that's the key for the fifth. And the coach, depending on what your role is, Adam Kingsbury's role, obviously very different than Jules Ultra's role. Right. So the coach can be whatever you want the coach to be. Yeah, that was uh, Val Sweeting representing. Yes, Alberta yeah, Peter. okay, thank you. So uh, so there you go. So that's our thoughts on lead, second, third, and skip. Yeah, I think, uh, so in the end, Sean, what's your favorite position to play? Lead? Lead. I really like playing lead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I, I went, and I, I'm in this position now that I wouldn't want to play it two nights a week all the time. Right. So I'm not going to do this this year, even though that was offered to me. Mm-hmm. But for a, a bond spiel or a one-off, if someone says, pick your position, I'm going to pick lead. Right on. So that's for me. I, I mean, third can be fun. I, I find the pressure of calling line when I don't know the lines mm-hmm. to be kind of intense sometimes. And skip, I just get a little chilly <laughs> when, I, when I skip. Uh, and, and I don't know, even in games that don't matter, my heart rate can get up there. Gets up when you have to throw that. Throw that last, last rock, shot. yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I'm sort of torn for me, Sean. Uh, I really like skipping because I do like throwing that last shot. And I don't always make it, but I I give it the old college try. Yeah. Uh, Jim Cotter told me at the trial, I said, how do you make those shots when it's just you? Right. And he says, you just got to do it. You just got to do (laughs) it. You just got to do it. Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. And like it it leads to cool moments uh, when, oh, yeah, you did make that draw for three. Or oh, you did make that double takeout, and and it was for something. That's I kind of like that. Right. So I'd say if I had my pick of any position, skip. But uh, I'm enjoying playing second. Yeah. Right now, to be honest, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and it's one of these things too, where relatively speaking, you know, at a curling club, there's not that many young people, so we are younger in mm-hmm. a curling club demographic. So. Generally speaking, we'll graduate to those back end positions uh, at some point. That tends to be what what happens. Yeah, yeah. or our our back end will kick us off the team because I said something dumb, and we'll have to start our own team. Yeah, that could happen. That could happen as well. So certainly, let us know out there where your favorite positions are and, and other qualities that we may have missed 
here on our list here, but generally speaking, that's how we would line up the positions and the type of people slash players that make the most effective players at those spots. Right on. All right, so if you want to get in touch with the show, it's Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page that's Game of Stones Podcast, so you can find us there. Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. So let us know what you think in terms of this episode. If you have ideas for other episodes, questions that you want us to answer about the world of curling, you know, we're in this sort of summer spot where we're looking at just the sport in general in broad strokes. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything that you, you want us to talk about, do let us know through any of those outlets. Scott, you can find him on Twitter at Scott Likes TV. I am at Dr. Shawnee Fever. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows. Leave a comment, likes, all that fun stuff. And until we talk to you again next week, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.